Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi, I'm Mallory. And I'm Haley. And you have stumbled upon Working in the Wings. Yay! We're glad you're here. Hopefully you'll hang out. It's yeah. a bit of a longer episode. Yeah, learn about technical theater. Yeah. So before we get started, I have to jump into a little bit of housekeeping slash disclaimers on this episode. Um, one, I am learning more and more every day when it comes to editing. Mm-hmm. Um, however, still very novice. And so we have some sound gremlins like floating throughout this episode. So if you hear some weird noises, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's just a fan. It's just a fan. And we, uh, I'm still learning on how to use multiple mics at the same time, always. Seems like whenever it's just Haley and I in our living room, it works out perfect. And whenever we introduce a guest, it just doesn't want to work. So there's that. But we don't let that stop us. No, we don't. We still made good content for you. That's what matters. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> well, and also on a good note yep we led with a bad and with a good we finally got music we Intro figured out music. music and we're being are we sponsored or uh we are connected with there we go yeah right um we have partnered with dapper devil productions which is a small but wonderful podcast production company um and they have some other great shows so if you're curious look up dapper devil productions in your podcast streaming platform of choice um but for now you'll be with us yeah two episodes in and we're already connected with someone guys we think it's a good idea we're really excited that other people moving this truck along i know it's so exciting i think that's our only disclaimers I think so, yeah. So nothing too bad. No. So I guess let's get on with the point of this week. Um, So this week, we had the pleasure of interviewing a wig designer. Yes. So for our little story treat for you this beginning, um, I wanted to share one that was a personal experience when it comes to wigs, because I do uh, wigs about as often as I do wardrobe. I do them pretty interchangeably. Um, And one of my favorite memories is I was running The Little Mermaid at Music Theater Wichita in the summer of 2018. And um, Ariel has this moment where, like, she's in a bathtub, her hair's up in a towel, you know, she just got her feet, she's at the castle, and she has to skirt, like, from out of the bathtub, behind a wall, and come back out in a full ball gown, and her hair is done all pretty with a bow. And in about, like, I don't know, 30 seconds to a minute. Yeah, that's about as long as it takes <laughs> you to do that in yeah. real life. And we have this wall that is probably no more than eight feet wide. And that might be being generous. And behind that wall, like on the upstage side that the audience can't see, it's myself, her dresser, a stage manager, a props person. And then My God. I think five or six actresses end up back there. They're like what? being little maids and like waiting on her in the bathtub. <laughs> and so many people mm-hmm. behind And so wall. we're literally shoved I like sardines behind that wall. And then our actress Tatum, who plays Ariel, comes running around the corner just in a towel. And her hair is up in this uh, towel turban that looks like her hair is in it. But surprise, it's just a little piece of hair. And we have to get her in this full ball gown. We're staying so tight. So it's this, I couldn't even move my elbows properly. So I had to use one of the stage manager's hands to hold my hairpins and my wig because I had to hold Tatum's hands for her to get into the dress and then put a necklace on. And then she turns to me and I throw the wig on her head. I get two pins in it, which usually a wig gets a minimum of 
four to six pins in it. To be it. able to hold it properly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Usually you do one at each temple, uh, one on each side of your part at the top of your head, and one on each side of your nape. She got one on each side of her temple, and she has to go on stage and spin. And every night, I was like, girl, spin gently. <laughs> She'd run on stage and twirl around and be so excited about having her feet or whatever. And then she'd come off stage and we'd get her fixed up and whatnot. But that was just like, it was bonkers every night. And every night I was like, I just like, I never would want it to happen to you. But a part of me wishes the wig would just fly off because the just. Oh, there were a few times where like you could kind of, if you looked close, you could just see it flapping in the back. And you're like, oh, dear Lord. Thank God this theater is big. Oh. The magic of theater is like, thank God the audience is at a distance. I just love that it's just like a bunch of people that behind this wall. Oh my God, so many. And then, so the wall like tracks off stage and we are like scuttle running behind it <laughs> so that the audience doesn't see how many of us were behind it. I'm pretty sure the audience saw me every night. I either ran too fast or not fast enough. Like I couldn't figure out my pacing at mtw i had to do a shoe change behind some stairs i was yeah Yeah. i've never had to like i knew the audience didn't see me but was the best part was when the actors who didn't know i was doing that shoe change would see me and they would try to stay and it was always the ensemble and they would try to stay in character Mm -hmm. but i would see like one of them realize it's me and they would smile and they'd be like oh wait i'm supposed to be an angry gangster (laughs) and then one who looked at um nice yeah, nice oh, work if okay, you can get okay, it. Gotcha, gotcha. And it was at the end of Act One, and there's a huge tap number. And so the main actor, who was Clyde Alves, he had to come back there and do a shoe change. And it was just so funny seeing the, like, six ensemble men. Like, every night it was a different person who mm-hmm. would just kind of be, like, half out of it and turn their eyes and be like, wait, what the hell is she doing? Like, And I could <laughs> see that run through, and I'm like, hello. Yep. <laughs> With I- my little shoes and water bottle. Yep. I have army crawled onto a stage under a piece of scenery to change a girl's shoes. It was in Millie. So, so it's went, all of our MTW. Yeah, rocks. it's all of our MTW. <laughs> um, it's an MTW episode. No, that's not true. Um, and I had to army crawl under this set piece or next to the set piece as it came out. And then she's like standing in a window, like talking to this boy who's on her balcony. And she does these very purposeful turns and movements so that she can shift her weight so that it can slip her out of her tap shoes and put her into character shoes because then she gets on top of the, the windowsill and their lovey-dovey and whatnot. I have to sit out there for the entire number, <laughs> just crouched as low and as tight as I can be. Like, I'm just watching their shadows on the upstage part of the stage going, I'm in the spotlight. Nobody knows I'm here. I love those changes, though. <laughs> right? Those are, I think are the funnest. I think it makes you feel like a big deal. It feels very James Bond or Ocean's Eleven Yeah, you just kind of like, you feel like you actually shouldn't be there, but you Uh know you're there. Like, it's like in paperwork, but you're just like so un-a part of that world just Mm -hmm. because you're in blacks and whatnot that you're just like, please do not see me. Yeah. Because then when you're in all blacks on a very bright stage, you're like, oh, I'm very visible. Instead of (laughs) like, the purpose of it is to be hidden in shadow. I know. I have had moments like walking backstage when I know the audience can see me as I'm like, trying to hide my pale hands and face into my blacks because I'm like, maybe I'll be less noticeable if they can't see my skin no, shining. see some weird person. Yeah. <laughs> That's really all they see. If Poor I just walk with the purpose in normal, maybe it'd be less weird. But um, anyway, the reason we talked about a wig change is yeah. because we, and I, I think we said this a little bit earlier, but mm-hmm. we interviewed a wig designer this mm-hmm. week. Uh, and her name is Leah Lucas. She is a amazing, amazing, kind, very talented Broadway wig designer. And film. And she film, yeah. Um, so we 
learned so much from her. She is a dear human in our lives in general. But it was so cool to just hear her. I mean, she told us war stories as well about Wicked and Hades Town. Like these names where you're like mind blown. And everything. Yeah, yeah, I know. She's she's worked so hard, and just like her story was so fascinating. And she's such a lovely person. And you'll get to know her too. So without further ado, here is our interview with Leah Lucas. <laughs> Leah, thanks for being here to talk with us. Thank you for having me. All right, so what got you started? Where did you go to school for wigs? Um, I went to University of Cincinnati, uh, College Conservatory of Music, and um, I grew up in Ohio, in Canton, Northeastern Canton, Ohio, and then Cincinnati was in Southern Ohio. So um, I found the program completely by accident. I had been doing, like, hair everybody's hair for every dance and everybody's makeup and all of that and I was always into theater and I did stay on stage backstage all the things and I had no idea what I wanted to do and I came across the program because my brother and sister were going to University of Cincinnati and in completely different majors and I found um found out they had a theater program which was theater design and production um and I was able to focus in makeup and wig design that I didn't know existed and yeah because like when I went to undergrad there really wasn't anything that specialized in wigs it was really kind of makeup and stuff so your program had a wig like yeah, uh, class and stuff yep and this was back in um 90 I graduated my senior year of high school is 99 2000 so at that time there was uh CCM and North Carolina School for the Arts that were focusing on that had makeup and wig design programs Um, both different, uh, Cincinnati has BFA, um, in undergrad right now, I believe it's just a grad program that they're focusing on, but at the time they had an undergrad and I was able to, uh, major in my whole freshman year. You do like all the tech program, all the, in the scene shop, you do load-ins, all of that. And then, um, uh, then I was, I think I took like a millinery class. Did I say that right? Millinery? I don't, it's, it's hats, hat making, yeah. hat, hat millinery. Yeah. Yeah. All of those uh, crafts, costume yeah. crafts. Yeah. I was able to put, which was great to get in, um, to those classes as freshmen and then started learning how to make wigs and do an introduction to makeup class. So basically did like all the general. And then as like the years went by, I was, I was able to focus on different things and start designing and assisting and, um, get every aspect of what those programs were. So uh, post-graduation, like you've tried all these things. I think we all, we've talked about it before, how like we had a well-rounded education, but what was the pathway? We'll eventually get to all the cool things that you are working on, you have worked on, uh, but kind of what was your pathway to New York from Ohio and how did you kind of build your way up through the rankings, you know, from being a lowly intern to being a designer on some big productions now? Yes. <laughs> um, the So when I graduated from Cincinnati, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but a couple jobs popped up. There was the at the Alley Theater in Texas and at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that they were doing the world premiere of The Color Purple at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to be on that because it was my favorite book, favorite movie, everything. And I was like, I have to get that job. So um I applied. I'd never been to Atlanta and um, applied to 
uh, work at the theater as the wig master, and wow. which I had no idea what that meant. I mean, now, like, I look back. Well, Wigmaster, it's like at different regional theaters, there's a lot of times like one person who supervises, sometimes designs the wigs, hair, makeup, um, oversees or assists, um, runs the shows. I think at every theater and at every opera, it's different. Uh, Regional theaters, it's different. It depends on where you're at. Um, So my my particular job was to oversee. I I ran the shows. as a crew member but I also got to assist a couple designers that came in and then I also was able to design some shows on my own um for the theater so it was a neat way to kind of experience that world I think everybody should have a regional theater experience it like it learned you it, it it teaches you so much about um every aspect I don't I I'm grateful for all of my experiences leading up to now because I think that you just get an idea of how things work outside of Broadway or outside of whatever production you're working on. And a lot of times, if you're lucky to go to a school that focuses on makeup and wig design, the, you have facilities, you have, you have like, um, the professors, you have, you have space and opportunities to, and you're supported in a way that sometimes, um, working, at different theaters or off Broadway and things that you're like really on your own. So it's at the regional theaters, you're not on your own. You have like a, you know, supported by other faculty and, and crew and all of that. So that I went to the Alliance theater and the color purple was the first show that was out there. And, um, first show the season, which was 15 years ago. Now crazy. I just designed, uh, becoming Nancy, which is a new, up-and-coming musical um uh, out of town tryout was at the alliance so it was literally 15 years ago almost to the day yeah exactly so that I was able to go out there and design a show and that's where I met um 15 years ago is where I met Chuckle Point who was the wig designer for the color purple and Paul Taswell was the costume designer and I remember thinking, I just want to do what they do. And I had no idea really what that meant. But I knew they were like, live, they're from New York and they're coming and setting up the show. And then they left and I took care of it. And then another really good friend of mine now that I get to work with, um, Mia Neal, who's an incredible wig designer. Uh, she also um, came out for the weekend to visit friends and to help Chuck for a day and it was one of those situations where there were like 40 wigs in the 40 or 50 wigs in that production mm-hmm. and I was going to take care of them all by myself with some wardrobe people helping me put them on mm-hmm. and it was a lot I mean it was so um Mia ended up staying from three three days to eight weeks with me and we ran the show and then fast forward a year later and I ended up uh, moving to New York to work on it on Broadway oh my gosh that's so <laughs> So, like, you just kind of, like, went, I want to do this, and literally did it. I think not knowing things, like, having no fear and being young is mm-hmm. something I wish you, I, you, you just don't know the, the downfall, you know, like, you don't know, like, the other side of anything, so it was, like, like, just kind of no fear to just, I'm like, okay, I'm going to Atlanta, okay, I'm going to New York, like, just following my gut and meeting incredible people along the way and always just trying to do the best at whatever that job was that I was doing to to be able to make 
Yeah, yeah, just to be the best. I knew I didn't really want to run shows for the rest of my life, but also um, I knew that I wanted to be the best at that job that I possibly could and then uh, eventually get to designing. Like, I knew I loved designing. But so I've always had, like, big picture goals, but not necessarily restricted myself to how I'll get there. Right. And I always feel like running the show helps you, like, do like oh yeah this what this designer did was smart or what this designer didn't didn't do was like not like I always feel like running a show really does teach you like other things to Definitely. like to like be a designer because I've just worked with other people who like in every aspect who like just want to go straight into design and don't want to run shows mm-hmm. and I'm like you don't learn though if you don't see it happening Absolutely. and so you did the color purple yeah. and you I'm assuming you continued to assist and supervise after that closed Kind of when did you fall into, were you supervising and running shows at the same time that you were designing shows in the beginning? I actually, I when I moved to New York, um, it was while the original Color Purple and the original Jersey Boys were moving to Broadway. So I started working at the at Chuckle Point and Tom Watson's wig studio. Um, and so I was 22 turning 23, oh I believe. God, yeah. So at this time it was like May, May, June. Um, I started building wigs at the studio and then somebody came in and said, they need a swing at Wicked. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, that sounds cool. And What's I, <laughs> right. Can you actually talk? What is Wicked? Right. <laughs> it's a small, it's a <laughs> small musical. Not well known. Just a couple, just a couple things. I actually did the makeup track, which I was so scared. I've never sweat so much in my life. <laughs> I had blisters in my sneakers. Oh. And they were like, they, I, I went into the theater and they said, okay, Leah, you're going to, um, we're going to go do Rue's makeup now. And I was like, okay. And we walk in and it's Rue McClanahan, Blanche from, oh, yeah. From Golden Girls. Oh. I almost peed my pants. Like I had to go check. I was like, did I, did I pee my, I, bla- I completely blacked out. <laughs> Because I'd walked in and Ben Vereen like was doing this thing, like hugging everybody. He was playing the wizard and and um, Shoshana Bean was the uh, was Alphaba. And I got the green part of the makeup down like great. Uh-huh. But then it was the like something it was all like all of a sudden I forgot how to do makeup, even though uh. I had gone to school, you know, like all, yeah. all of that. It was like trying to learn something new and and. And understanding how like swinging worked, you know, because I followed yeah. I followed the entire track, and I like after like trying to have my best poker face on that I'm not. I mean, I was 22 walking into these dressing rooms, like, like just like this is I cool. This is totally. Yeah. This is totally. This is great. This is cool. No, I was freaking out inside, but I was. It was an incredible experience, and the supervisor was awesome. But it was one of those things like I just walked in and I followed the show. I had never been backstage in a Broadway theater um uh followed the track and I remember trying to memorize like memorizing the writing it all down and memorizing it and this was like 2005 so the show had only been open for a couple of years at that point. I don't know I can't remember exactly uh, when it opened it 17th anniversary I think it's up there yeah so I know the uh, what's math 2001 2002 is that 17 years ago girl I think so. so. And I think, I think, (laughs) I know. I think we've said in every episode so far, like math is hard. We do a lot of math, but it's hard. That is true. Um, But also, I think it's important just to explain 
swinging is such a yes, complicated and say, I'm yeah. so excited to do an episode on swinging for actors and technicians they're very different for us when she says follow a track she means you walk into the theater and the person that you're going to be uh, usually a person goes on vacation gets sick has a baby just whatever, wants to not come in wants to not go to work <laughs> and so you go in and you learn that track and your track is your choreography it's your to-do list your to-do list during a show so you are following the person who does it and you're just watching them do their job you usually get one time to watch one time for that for you to do it while they're watching and then you're on your own you hope you're a good note taker it's it's bonkers I have done that seven times at Phantom of the Opera now and the first time I wanted I literally walked to the train flap platform and held back tears because it was it wasn't even like a sad it was like a my brain is so full and yeah if you're walking into a theater space not only are you learning what you're supposed to be doing you're learning the pathways you're like I don't know where stage left is and it comes to the point of you know like you can't change anything in that track Mm -hmm. because when when a show's first being done the crew you you all everybody backstage learns so if you're like 10 seconds too late you're there's a set piece there and you Mm -hmm. can't move also, you have to your safe your safety, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of those things because it's you just don't know the choreography that everything happens like you can't walk in and think that you can do something better mm-hmm. or that you can you like literally have to go in and sometimes it's like I don't know why these things are done in this way, mm-hmm. but you just have to get it into your muscle memory because it's all been in especially if you go to somewhere like Phantom of the Opera yeah. or go to Wicked Now like shows that have oh, been running God. for so long like that they're the things are just they're they're in it's a machine. every it's a machine yeah. and you're just a you're a new cog that has to work exactly exactly but that was an that was an incredible doing wicked swinging that that was awesome and then i was building wigs during the day and going and swinging at night jesus and then uh the color purple tech. energy of the young yeah right <laughs> but at the um and then i went into tech for the color purple i was assisting chuck on that and then i i was the third chair so mia was a supervisor saki was assistant and then i was the third chair and i mean crazy to think now like i'm like again like at my everything to to think about the opportunities that i had and how like naive i was as far as like how these are they're just they're great jobs to have and it's incredible to have been able that people trusted me to put me in those positions and I think that I was like taking care of 25 wigs or something by myself but it was from 1909 to 19 uh 39 49 it covered a lot of decades so I had to get really good at every style and I learned so much I learned so much just about continuity like having to do the same wigs at the same time and exactly what you said earlier about it does make me a better designer, I think, now having run a show because now when I design a show that I know is going to run for a while, I think about what the hair is going to do and what the styles are going to do and what is going to happen when other people's hands are in the wigs because I can style something and design something and have that those ideas in my head, but it's only going to be it's going to always have to be in somebody else's hand. Mm-hmm. So figuring out how to ch- stay true to my aesthetic with also the practicality of what's happening during the show and what 
uh, if there's quick changes, if they're flying, if they're upside down or anything like that. I did um, a couple wigs for American Idiot on Broadway and the opening number, the girl wearing the wig was hanging upside down for the whole opening number. And I just remember having, I mean, there were a couple couple times it was that and then um uh oh a night with Janice Joplin there was the Aretha wig we had we had to go through some to get the look that we had but also to get the style to stay exactly the way it was to put because the coat just was flown off of her so once she's on stage in the wig I just had to pray that like nothing went wrong backstage (laughs) I mean luckily the crew was incredible but like the wig could have flown off with the coat the hair actually did sometimes we had to do like invisible like thread it you know like little tricks to keep the style exactly into place so there's so many elements of I can design whatever I want but then like I'm also at the mercy of what's going to actually happen because once you're on stage anything can happen yeah and you've kind of mentioned different positions within the world of wigs and within any department there are hierarchies so you have your designing position can you kind of go into Maybe as a designer, what would be some advice you would have for either somebody who is being an assistant or being a supervisor? Because as a supervisor on a show, you do not make design decisions. You are the hands and feet of somebody else's creations and the integrity behind it of keeping the design consistent after you leave. So what are some advice that you would have for somebody who's trying to be an assistant to a designer or trying to be more successful at running a show? Like what are things you expect of them things to put them ahead other of other people does that make sense absolutely I think um I think really you have to really remember that it's not about you that you have to take like your ego out of it I mean even as a designer you have as a designer you have to kind of take yourself out of it because you're one part of such a huge picture Mm -hmm. um when I was running a show, I um, I went from running a show to then assisting Chuck, uh, Chuck LaPointe um, to being his associate. And the difference assisting was can range from anything. You can, you're the person who's in charge of building the show. It depends on what designer. Some designers build all of their wigs. They're the vendor and the designer. Some designers, it, so I think like that position is always can vary. Um, as an associate, you are put in position sometimes to have to make design decisions because, um, for instance, for uh, Escape to Margaritaville went, is on tour now, and my associate from Broadway and from this, she went out to set up the tour. So she was in a position as my associate to have to make decisions through my design. So she knows me well enough and my design well enough, and we're always in constant communication but she was in a position to make those decisions so where sometimes as an assistant you're not necessarily um you're you're assisting the the designer or you're assisting the associate it depends on what branch of the show and then also if you're a supervisor I think like the main thing again is to take yourself out of it what you think that you would do better if you're designing or anything like that, sometimes that doesn't, it's serving the purpose of the big picture. So being able to um, listen and pay attention to what people are saying and what people are doing. And a lot of times I think as a designer, like I'll, I may say or do something that's 
kind of crazy that nobody really understands, but there is a reason. <laughs> you know, like you never know what that reason. You don't know, like as a designer, you have to deal with the directors. You have to talk to the costume designers. You have to talk to producers. Like there's so many factors as a designer that you have to, um, so many people that you have to work with and to, to kind of please on a bigger picture that's beyond what you can do. So as an assistant and an associate, I think it's really important to be able to support the desi the designer and however they need to be supported. So that that can always change. I think being flexible and being strong at what you're doing. And also I think um, just being able to work with anybody at any time, even as a supervisor sometimes, I think it's easy for us in the creative world to kind of take a lot of things like personally or like you know like free like oh what am I doing wrong and sometimes it's just uh again just trying to listen and 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 yeah. and be able to to go with whatever is happening in that moment and being proactive yeah well yeah that does make sense and you mentioned working with collaborating with like producers directors and designers mm -hmm. or costume designers what is that like because technically you and the costume designer have the same objective as creating this character to fit in the world that is happening on stage and how is that with especially with collaborating with like a costume designer like what is that like because you're both kind of trying to create the same character like what is um I guess those collaborations like I think every every designer and every relationship is different, um, and every production's different. So sometimes, uh, I think sometimes with hair and makeup and wigs, you're brought on, in theater at least, you're brought on a little bit after other things have been decided or other things have been, a lot of times the costume designer and the director will have already gone through a lot of concepts and uh, uh, preliminary designs. Um, so I think a lot, sometimes in that way, what we do comes in with um, once the show's cast and trying to figure out how to make whatever the, the big picture is work on the actors that are cast and whatever some of the practicalities. You know, it's like, okay, I may want this person to be, to have red hair and it to be this, this, and this, but it may not actually work on that actor. So it's, and, and while building wigs, you have to figure out what, color texture um style is going to work on that person and i think i think the it's it just varies on your relationship with each other i think the most functional and positive working environments that i've been under are when i have a director and a costume designer who we all communicate mm -hmm. fully and and also that i'm trusted to do to do my job and I think the farther along in your career you get, you're lucky enough to be able to have built those relationships. It doesn't always happen like that. Like sometimes you have to just prove yourself constantly and over and over again. Um, and that, I don't know if that ever goes away. I'll let you know in 20 years. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but it, it definitely, um, the, the most successful and the most like fulfilling uh, experiences I've had are when people fully trust me to do exactly what I do, yeah. where I'm not second guessing uh, my instinct and what I can do when and not being micromanaged and not being exactly where where the 
where somebody where everybody has a strong vision of what they want but then trust each other and know how to communicate with each other because what we do is stressful inevitably like Mm -hmm. that's that's just what whatever aspect of theater or tv or film or whatever in this world creating characters and creating a show and working within there's so many moving parts Mm -hmm. so it's already stressful so I always find and it doesn't always happen like that but when the more often I work with people that we all are on the same page and that that level of communication isn't extra stressful like it's just nice to be able to be creative and to to achieve what you want to achieve so you coordinated the wigs for Hades Town, yes. which is on Broadway right now. You Tony know. Award winning best musical for Broadway of 2019. It's a little one. A, a lot like lot. Wicked. Lot it's like not it. as popular. <laughs> 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 but um, so coordinating is different from designing. Um, how is that different and how is it? Uh, yeah, that's the question. How is it different? <laughs> I was trying to make it like a smart thing. I was like, no, that's just it. Haley, you worded it the way you wanted. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> it's, it's actually tricky and not something that I really love yeah. doing yeah. as much. I was so happy to be a part of Hades Town because I loved the project and, um, I was excited to work on it. It had, it had had so many, um, uh, lives before I was even a part of it and the reason why I was brought on as coordinator is because it, a full production was done in London mm-hmm. where the wigs were built and they weren't changing much once once it came to Broadway um, it's a very gray area and it's a super fine line mm-hmm. because uh, um, I think what's hard for me is that I'm not capable of just letting something go like of you know like when I and part of a production, I like to be able to give it everything that I have. And um, so coordinating is a tricky thing. And it does happen a lot when shows come from London and move to Broadway, because a lot of times in London, the the um, hair and makeup isn't necessarily considered a separate design. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, again, depends on the type of theater or wherever it came from. And sometimes even in in New York or, or, or here when something's like done at a workshop there's not necessarily a, a designated hair and makeup designer um so for Town specifically I the wigs were built so I ended up were already built but they weren't functioning in the way that they needed to to hold up for like eight shows a week and um to get through so I had to shift from the original design try and figure out how to then carry that through and make it more successful here. So I ended up refurbishing and doing a lot of work on the Persephone wigs and as well as the Hermes, not Hermes, Hades. Hermes does not have a wig. Um, Hades uh, um, toupee. And now I am working on rebuilding those because for a long-running show, you end up having to replace the wigs because they go through so much wear and tear. Um, and then also creating for the understudies what those wigs are. Yeah. So, um, and I was able to be there at the Tonys. with uh, there, uh, the, the show has an incredible supervisor who takes such good care of the show and takes care of um, 
maintaining what the design is and now it's now it's a little tricky now that uh it's been running for a long time because uh, originally i was just coordinating the original design now as it gets recast or anything a new production start happening there may be new designs that come into place so i guess that's the that's the difference is is coordinating you're coordinating a design that already exists and designing is you're designing new looks or something new for either an actor or for a different production or anything like that does that make make no that absolutely makes sense i um i coordinated oklahoma at um in pittsburgh this summer so i understand that whole thing where you're just kind of given something and you kind of my thing is like it's more of like let's hope it fits the actor because if it doesn't I don't like you have to redesign then you have to redesign yeah that's the tricky part is figuring out the the fine line like what what am I doing now that's designing so so now I I think it's I would like to um I feel very fortunate to have coordinated the shows that I have and to be able to have um had those opportunities but it does make the it, there it's a great it's, it's very great yeah 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 no that was a good explanation um and I feel like I love hearing all the things you're working on and I'm already having a hard time keeping track and I think what's really cool about designers that like we don't even do as people who run the shows is we are on just like the actors we do one at a time maybe you do something during the day that like doesn't involve night work um but as a designer you're usually juggling I think I've heard you do three at one time, but sounds like more than that. How many, with the productions, you can tell us on what you're working on. How many different productions are you juggling? Like, how many balls in the air do you have right now? Just because I think it's fascinating. Um, yeah, because all of them are at different stages. Uh-huh. So, and that's, I think that's the most challenging part. Other than finances and figuring out your overhead and figuring out, like, if anybody's in school, like take accounting classes and take personal financing classes and all of that. Because I think if you want to be a designer, you need to learn how to run your business. Like you are, you are, you need to learn how to. And I think that as creative people, not all of us, it's not, it's not that it's, I can't do it. It's just not the aspect of my career that comes naturally to me. So staying on top of um, invoices, taxes, what my overhead is, what I get paid as a designer, if my assistants have a fee, if my associates have a fee, how much to charge for rentals, how much to charge for. There's so many aspects that are really in learning how to budget and learning how to do all of that. I mean, I think as far as juggling and keeping a lot of balls in the air, that's the part that I definitely wish I could I would love to make it not as much of an obstacle but it always tends to be the thing the creative part and the figuring out that's like that comes second nature it's the other stuff but um right now I'm working Monday through Friday I'm working on a film and then um I uh go into tech for a new play so right now so while I'm working Monday through Friday I'm also learning the play and I need to schedule meetings with the costume designer and the actors um, 
because then that will go into once the the film's done shooting i go into tech for the play and then um and also during all of this the uh escaped margaritaville tour went out on the road so um my assistant and associate and i have uh had to get the wigs ready for that and then they took that out to tech and that's on the road now but i'm still working on getting a couple of the understudy stuff out and going so that's still kind of looming not lo- not in a bit that sounds horrible not not looming but it's just still part of still present. Yeah. still present um and then also doing some understudy and rebuilds for hadestown um and like so figuring out scheduling even though that's been open now for half a year um still being in communication with the supervisor for that um so i guess that's one is it four that's four yeah that's a lot yeah i i i worked two like two jobs these past two weeks and my body wanted to give out yeah and so jesus christ (laughs) and right now i work out of my apartment which is great but also a little insane because i have to I have to manage um, how to stay organized and stay on top of it and all of those things. And I'm not always super successful at, you know, everyday things like grocery shopping and cleaning. And I mean, having you guys over today was great because I had to like clean and a little bit. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that wasn't a laugh like, oh, Oh, nice try. (laughs) I've been in tech for the past week and I told Haley, I have not used a single dish in our apartment for, when did I get back? Seven days, I think. I haven't used a single dish. You told me yesterday that uh, the only thing you've eaten in our apartment in the last week was salsa and chips. Yeah, I believe it. I fed her. I have fed her cat yeah. every night to the point that the cat's now sleepy with me. Say, I thought you were going to say that you fed her cat food. Oh. No. Oh, no, 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 just like <laughs> I've been feeding her cat. You've been um, feeding the cat. Okay, I got food, it. Her food driven cat, and so now she just stays in my bed like. This is the human who feeds me. <laughs> I shall lay by her feet. Like, yeah, I remember, I think I admitted to one of the actors when we were doing Clueless. I don't remember. And I, Clueless was at Signature, right. new group, but at Signature. Mm-hmm. And I live, se- it's a seven-minute walk from door to door, seven-minute walk. So, and how many coffee places in between? But that morning, particularly, I needed coffee. And I remember I had a pot of coffee from the morning before that I just poured coffee and heated it up in the microwave from the day before. I'm like, this is disgusting. But I needed coffee so badly. And I admitted it, like said it out loud. And I was like, I can't believe I just shared that information. Now I'm sharing it again to the world. I mean, it was so gross, but I needed coffee so badly at that moment. But you hit those, hit those you know, you drink day-old coffee, and if you're lucky, you have coffee in the house. Um, and, yeah, so staying on top of learning the life and life balance with work balance is hard. I mean, I think that somehow all of us who are drawn to this profession in some way function really well in chaos, but then it's the the everyday life stuff that – that gets you know like pushed aside it's like oh yeah I'm working 80 hours 80 hours this week and I don't have a day off for another two weeks I'll be fine and then I think the older that I get the more I realize that I need to figure out what like a little bit more of a regular schedule so how can I work from home juggle all of these things and also now I'm I'm hitting a phase where 
family and relationships and things like that. I'm 37. I'm uh, your life just starts to change and I can't function in the way that I've been functioning for the past 20 years. Um, I don't want I, I can't say I can't, but I just I don't want to. I want to learn how to have a little bit of a better balance. So somehow with juggling the shows, I'd like to be able to juggle having a life. I mean, a priority. Um, well, I, I worked with a designer, Martha Holly, who is wonderful. And I think and I forget where she works in um, like what I call as the school year. I want to say she might do something like that. But I know that she was telling me that she really only takes like designs in the city in like the summer and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's that like? Like, just how wonderful is that to just be able to like. Well, that's another thing is like a t- teaching is so like beautiful to me is like you do have your teaching stuff and then in the right. summer you can just be like, I'll design like a show or two and then go back to like this job that has a schedule right and you're like bless want well, to have I envy we call them nine to fivers which are people right. who yeah. would work Monday through Friday nine to five you do your 40 hours a week and that's just not our reality and like of course our job is cool sometimes glamorous but it's still a job and it's still exhausting and we get one day off a week so, like, this week while I've been in tech, I realized I'm getting an average of five hours of sleep. I'm spending two hours commuting. And the other, hard math, 17 hours I am working. And I've been doing that since Monday. And I won't stop until tomorrow. It's now Sunday. And I woke up and Haley and I both got warm pumpkin things from Starbucks to live. Because I'm going to go straight from to strive. rehearsal and then run a show tonight. And it's one of those things where it's like, of course, you know, sitting in a cubicle is hard and being a teacher is hard. But to be able to go home at night when everybody else goes home and to get two days off often, if not always, but, you know, normally is something that I definitely like, huh, did I pick the right career? Because I only get Mondays off like nobody else you know yeah no it's it's hard to look on social media and you've been working like 40 60 hours and you're doing all these amazing things that like other people don't understand and are like whoa you worked with these people but then you're seeing them like backpacking like in some pretty forest and even though i like hate the wilderness i'm just like well i'm glad you had the time just getting sunday brunch brunch. yes thank you (laughs) just like to just like i would love to like wake up again and be like a movie sounds nice but i literally have to plan like two weeks in advance well and i think it's it's interesting because i had not i built built wigs for movies and tv before and then just as of june i i did worked on a movie in pittsburgh and then I did a musical in Atlanta theater and then came back to New York to do a movie. So this is my kind of my first experience of testing out like bo- both worlds. Mm-hmm. And first of all, my dad told me, I think I was on my way to college, high, yeah, college. And my dad said that the, um, he said I was like nervous about being a freshman or something. He's like, you're always going to be a freshman. You're always going to be like, you're never, you're going to go from being a freshman in high school to, or to being a senior. And then once you, you're a senior, you're going to go back to being a freshman in college. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt moving into the movie world of like, here I've designed 15 Broadway, 13, I don't know. I've designed many Broadway shows. And math. And math, <laughs> again, I don't know, somewhere more than 10, less than 20. Um, and, uh, uh, as a designer and have spent all this time establishing myself in that and then going into the movie world where nobody 
knows that part of my like having to start literally yeah. as a freshman feeling you know like which has been amazing because it's been but tying back to the five days a week it's for movies and tv it's like monday through friday i've been working and then saturday and sunday have off but the hours are so different so i go from getting up at 5 a.m and getting home at like seven or eight it's still 12 it's still long days still long days still all that and i'm like i'm gonna have the whole weekend i'm gonna do this this and this and then you realize that you're just as exhausted so it's funny because like it's just figuring out do you want the weekend off or do you want mondays off and then switching back and forth from the theater schedule to the movie schedule it's just it's interesting because we really have to love what we do to be able to maintain the type of schedules yeah one of the things I wanted to talk about before we like um start coming to a close is that and I mentioned it earlier on is that like I know in my grad school we had no wig training not even a wig class we just had a professor that was like I know what I'm doing and it's like no you don't um I could say that now because of seeing other people do things um for someone for a student who or anybody who's interested in wigs but hasn't had like it doesn't have like the people to teach them what are good like um tutorials or books that you would recommend for someone to just start off to like get to knowing the art of it um i don't know i think there are some books out there um I don't, now we live in this world of like YouTube and Instagram and you know there's a lot of great like wig designers and people that you can follow but I think like just learning and educating yourself as much as possible like follow like reach out to people to maybe intern um uh I'm trying to think of books and things just the history of history of wig making history of wig yeah. styling yeah, is that I what it's called I think that makes sense there's there's a couple. But it, you would just say, like, getting experience getting is probably the experience, best. Yeah, and I would say um, there's different programs. Like, Juilliard has a program. If you want to do hair and wigs, like, getting your cosmetology license is really good. Uh, a good thing to, as far as getting into the union, depending on what you want to do. If you want to do everything, um, uh, there's, like, makeup schools that are separate, you know, like, uh, mud and getting Mac. Bobby Brown. Yeah. Bobby Brown? I think so. That's what yeah. Yeah. There's different, I think, as much of, like, just learning as much education, depending on where you're at, if you're, like, flexible in, in what city or state you're in, or finding a grad pro, if you've already done undergrad, looking for a grad program. Um, there's so many, I don't know if it matters what direction you go, but I think educating yourself as much as possible. Um, being a wig maker takes, you can ventilate, you can learn how to ventilate and tie knots. Um, actually learning the techniques of wig making and building your own foundations and be, that takes years. Mm-hmm. You know, I think back in the day they did like, it was a seven year apprentice program before you you could even be considered a wig maker. Um, so, uh, you can take classes or there's things you can do to like learn how to make a knot, make a mustache. There's different phases of that. But I think that knowing that there's not really any like shortcuts to to doing it is and that I mean, that's a cool thing about making wigs and and learning that. And I think everybody now like there's hair. It's it's a very popular 
thing to do making wigs and there's a lot of different types of wigs that you can make different hair pieces but to really do like the original the old school the ventilating the tying the knots and the learning the foundation making and everything it really is something that just takes years that takes a lot of time that working like I I had four years of school and then I worked at a studio where I basically apprenticed different you know learned different wig makers and learning to tie a knot is one thing but then building the foundation and building a wig and learning how to get that down to and then if you want to build theatrical wigs or then you want to move into making tv and film on hd film film lace there's so there's so many um avenues you can go and i feel like i'm still learning i've been ventilating and making wigs for almost 20 years and i still feel like I'm learning something every single day. I th- yeah, I don't think you're a good design. I mean, like that might be opinion, but I don't think you're really good at your job if you've learned it. Like if you're right. not still learning, because the world's just always changing. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to do a definition. I'm like our little dictionary on the podcast for like yeah. terms. Um, so when Leah says tying knots and ventilating, ventilating is the process of building a wig, and you start with lace that if you've ever seen tulle or chiffon. Our lace looks a lot like that. It's just a ton of like honeycomb, honeycomb holes. And you're literally tying. It's like latch hooking, which we all did as children. But with single hairs, you're tying knots with a small, tiny, tiny, tiny crochet hook. And you're tying each hair individually across a full head of lace. And that's how a wig is made. And good wigs, you cannot tell that they're wigs. I love like... I believe, like, for example, the best one I can think of is Daenerys from Game of Thrones. Like, that wig is stunning. Like, of course, we all knew that it was a wig. But if you looked at it, you didn't. But then there are so many movies where you're like, oh, my gosh, she was in a wig. Um, And I think that's so interesting because people can dog on a bad wig immediately. Anybody can go, oh, that's a bad wig. You know, you look. But then sometimes, like, when you watch SNL and you think that they're in their real hair, a lot of them are actually in wigs that are built to mimic their real hair that they can wear in between scenes because your hair is pulled up in either pink curls or braids and you can't pull those up and down easily. So when Leah talks about building wig, I have built two fully hand tied, which means two wigs from, you know, front of your hairline to the nape of your neck full of wig. And I just like Leah complimented me once and said my knots were nice and I almost cried because I'm still <laughs> such a novice. I've been doing it. For three years now, off and on, I don't do it consistently enough, but like it is so hard and it is not like riding a bike. I swear every time I stop doing it, it it's like crawling. It's like falling back down the hill to crawl back up to maybe get two steps further than I was before, you know, and so it's so tedious. And I just hope that people realize that like there are people out there that just make their money building wigs. They sit there for hours and hours and hours until they go cross eyed, just tying tiny hairs and it's insane. <laughs> Don't love it. Yeah, and that's why I, when I was working at the wig studio and assisting, I was designing my own shows and going home at night in these chairs that you guys see, yes. like in my bedroom when I had an apart shared an apartment with roommates, and I would just make wigs all night, you know, and tie and um and learning learning like color, direction, um density, texture, there's so many things that go into it. Mm-hmm. And then um, also being able to do something 
And it's just not a quick process. Like it's not like you can build a wig super quick and then you have to get it on. And a lot of times it's just it's a it's um it's a, a medium that a lot of people don't know about. And so like doing a play or doing um something on TV or film, it's like a lot of people are like, I hate wigs, I hate wigs, whatever. And it's like, you gotta give me a chance. You know, you have to give me because you can see like what every every designer and every wig maker has their own techniques to doing things and so everybody's kind of brought on to projects for what are their whatever their specialty is and um I think I love doing uh giant musicals like I'll go out to the Muni in the summer which I love 11,000 seats huge yeah and it's so fun because it's you know I I get to figure out how to carry my aesthetic through but on such a giant scale then down to doing uh, happy talk mm-hmm. um, with what did we have two wigs? two wigs two wigs but I had they had to look like hair they mm-hmm. couldn't look like or curse of the starving curse class or yeah. mud wig yes so any <laughs> oh, which was so many things <laughs> that uh, it's not it, it just having making something look <laughs> exact <laughs> sorry I just remember oh my god standing that wig and be like, ew but yeah then- <laughs> it was so gross I don't even know. I think I I found it in a bag, and I was like, "What is this?" What are you talking about? The, so, the, so we did. So Lee and I, how we I had met her before, but what we worked on was Curse of the Starving Class, and it, one of the characters, Emma, um, tries to run away on a horse, and the horse drags her through the mud. So my job was to dump this poor sweet girl into a bucket of mud and just literally spread mud on her like washing a baby yeah, you guys were literally in tubs we were, she was in a tub in a she tub. was a tub of mud i would make and mud every melanie, night yeah you and melanie and were in the mud melanie had which was the wig supervisor lover miss you um <laughs> <laughs> but um she uh leah made this wig that was made out of like 19 different types of hair oh it looked God. like it was just patch adams yes and we made they made i don't know why i put myself in that this like weird foam stuff to make it look gross and nasty it was like shaving cream cream, yeah mud shaving cream and some other like nasty boy and we would flop it on our head and then melanie would get a handful of mud and put it on her face and then real mud this isn't like makeup mud because the actress's hair was blonde and she was using her own hair for the show so then we had to make the mud wig look as much like her hair but it was a super it was pretty quick to get her out of it so it was a four minute to get her dry and clean right so we ended up and it took I mean thank god the director and costume designer it was an incredible team of people because and that goes back to a situation where they trusted me to do my job and there were a couple times where they were like we can't this this is not gonna work I'm like just give me one more day just give me one more and we did it was literally like tying figuring out what colors textures how to make this crazy right situation work but it ended up working out I mean it it was down to like where the wig had to go on her head in the front thank god it was covered in mud because if anybody saw my knots of that wig no that was those were not pretty those were not pretty but it did the trick it ended up being like even though it was such a pain it ended up being like mine and melanie's favorite change because we that actress was wonderful and we all just like 
we would kind of get in trouble because we were very close to the stage and I'm sure Maggie could hear us like cackling as we like put her in the mud like I would sing nursery rhymes sometimes to her as I was slathered it was a little bathtub full of mud and I would just slather her on and I (laughs) accidentally fed her mud once it was I just I can't believe because Haley and I were working in the same building at the signature theater which houses four theaters Leah was designing our shows at the same time so they have this nasty I mean the set got destroyed the actors were dirty and then there was I'm, a live lamb uh, yeah livestock oh, by Annie right Annie Lammy, the biggest diva I've ever worked with and I'm over here in the theater right next door like I have two wigs they don't change at all during the show it was modern like it was modern it was starring Susan Sarandon and Marin Ireland and like those were my two women that I put wigs into and I I just, like, didn't do anything. And I had so many people. And even Susan would say that, like, oh, so-and-so fancy name that came to visit me thought it was my real hair. And I was like, I mean, that's my placement. But that's all Leah's, like, styling. It was so delicate. Like, the most natural-looking wigs are delicate and beautiful. And, like, Marin's wig was this blonde. At first, it was a nightmare. It ended up turning into a dream. But, like, all the work Leah had to do at the same time. Oh, we just had to take out half the hair and put it back in. It was bl- blonde hair. It doesn't always isn't always our friend. Yeah, static. But thing. it's just funny the like yeah. juxtaposition that like oh, Leah yeah, was absolutely. in tech for two shows in the same week, and she was like she was like I'm gonna be right back. I'm gonna run across the hall and go to Curse for a few hours, and then like text me and I can come back over. And so she was just like bolting. I swear that's what it must be like to have like three kids and two parents. Is that like. I- one kid is just going to always kind of be the go. <laughs> You're just going to be bouncing. Yep. You can't sit. Two kids are going to be great, and one's going to be covered in mud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, uh, and that's the moral of the story. Yeah, that's <laughs> the moral of the story. All right, so at the end of these, we usually say, like, give us your, like, well, give us, sorry. <laughs> like, um, your handles, just so people who oh, listen to this yeah. were like, oh, maybe we want to follow you and whatnot. I'm and to, um, I'm so bad at this. Hold on. Oh, no, that's fine. And um, we, if you want to give out a special shout out for the three people who are listening to us that isn't our parents. Oh, my gosh. You can say <laughs> where in the world people can see. We said Hades Town. So go see Hades Town if you can get tickets. Yeah. Go see Escape to Margaritaville on tour and say hi to Chris Clark for me who's in that. Um, what else? Oh, she has a movie that we cannot disclose yet. Yeah. So IMDb. Yep. That was so close to the mic. <laughs> oh, my Instagram is my last name. It's uh, Lucas LJ. So L-O-U-K-A-S-L-J. You'll see some wigs. I don't, I'm so bad. At, I'm going to get better. Maybe by the time you guys air this, I'll have more shit on. Yeah, no. Any special shout? You want to say hi? You want to celebrate I don't, a friend? I don't. I don't know. I feel like I've said a lot of great names. You have yeah. Said a lot of great names. Just, I don't know. Just, just hang in there, everybody. Every, love every, it. Yeah, that's it's good. All shout out to anybody who decides to be crazy enough to do this for a living. I'm gonna shout out to Melanie who is uh, supervising for Rock of Ages wigs. Yeah. Um, which is it's off Broadway, right? It's off Broadway, but it's New World Stages and it's a beast. It's it, massive. It's huge. And it's ongoing. Like the her uh-huh. contract has an end, so work BB, I miss yes. you. We're so proud of you. <laughs> and then yeah, becoming Nancy hopefully will be oh, yeah. coming to Broadway. So if you're oh, that's the musical this, you were working the musical on musical that was in Atlanta and it's awesome so I hope I hope if you're listening to this and it's on Broadway right now 
You're, well, you're listening I to old episodes. I hope I have quicker editing skills than that. I hope no, to get this up in like a week. listening to old episodes. Oh, oh. in the past. Hopefully. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Awesome. All right. Have a good day, Leah. It's a Dapper Devil production, see?